And then it feels like a sucker punch. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, it, well, where did this come from? I didn't hear anything all year. And then suddenly I'm told that I stink at this and I stink at this and I stink at that. And how come I didn't hear about it before? I have always thought of that as, you know, no surprises during that conversation. But right. I, I appreciate you taking it to a whole new level that it's not just good enough to you that there should be no surprises during that. They should be bored to death during that conversation. <laughs> right. that, that, that's, no, that's when you know you have really delivered it, when, <laughs> when they are mouthing the words you are saying because, yeah, yeah, I already got it. Examined, explored, and simplified. It's the podcast designed to help you be a more effective leader. Welcome to Leading the People Side of Business with Todd Averett and Todd Chandler. Today, we are going to talk about manager mindset. So specifically, some of those mindset, mindset shifts that we have to go through as we're promoted into management. How do you feel about this topic, Todd? I love this topic. And I think it's one of the things that, you know, all too often when somebody gets promoted, they just get thrown into the job. And what's nice about addressing some of these mindsets early on is you can do some prep work to start to build these mindsets before you become a manager. But certainly even for experienced managers who've been doing it a long time, I think it's important to refresh and review these mindsets on a regular basis and say, how am I doing with these and what can I do to improve in each of them? That's right. I agree. And you know, it's interesting. And I remember the first time I was promoted to a supervisory position. And on the one hand, I was thrilled about the title, right? It was a more impressive title. I was thrilled about getting, wasn't that much of a pay increase, but it was a little bit of a pay increase. I was thrilled about that. But I don't know that I fully appreciated how my thinking had to change once I took on this this new job, and really that's that's the first mindset we want to talk about today was uh, when you are promoted into a management supervisory position, one of the key things that we have to come to understand is our job is now fundamentally different than the job that we had before. Sure. So it's it's no longer just about me delivering on my results, me getting things done, me working through conflicts, me getting stuff done on time. It is now also about my team. And that's a fundamental change for folks to realize, wow, my job's different. It's not just about a different title or different pay, but there's a fundamental different composition to my job. Sure. Absolutely. And I think that's a, a key part of it because, and, and it's almost contradictory, right? Because you get the recognition of getting a promotion. And so in some ways it feels like it's even more about you now. Um, but it's really important to take a step back and say, it's not just about me. It's really about the team. And as a strong leader, it's, I, I'm there sometimes to serve as a lightning rod. So when things hit the team, I can take on some of that heat. But really, more importantly, it's about making sure that the credit and the attention and the celebration is more about the team and what are the needs of the team as opposed to what are my individual needs. That's right. And, and I would say that if we accept that promotion, you know, we accept that pay increase, which there may not be a large increase, maybe maybe so, depends on your organization. Sure. Um, you know, if, if we sign up for that, we are also signing up for the fact that our job is fundamentally going to change. Right. And, you know, from the folks that I've worked with uh, over the years, I've, I found that some people were just not prepared uh, for, for not just the skills, right? It's not just about now I need to learn how to be a coach or that kind of thing. It's also just getting their heads around 
whoa, right. I, I'm, I'm now in a different role. I got to be thinking about my role differently and I can't keep performing my role like I've done in the past. Sure. And I, and you know, I think one of the things that, um, and as we look through each of these mindsets, some of these are bigger changes from being an individual contributor to being a manager. Um, right. you know, certainly the, it's not just about me is a principle and a mindset that you could have as an individual contributor that would serve you well and certainly be able to, uh, build upon that. But it's even more critical as you become a manager to make sure that, um, you start with the team, um, and then end with yourself in terms of needs and what you're trying to adjust as opposed to vice versa, where as an individual contributor, you might be a little bit more about, here's what I need to get the team to, or here's what I need to get the work done. Here's what I need to uh, make this happen. Whereas a manager, it's much more about what does the team need? Yeah, that's right. And, and that's really the next mindset, which is it's not all about me anymore. <laughs> right. Right. So it's, it's not just about how I'm contributing individually to get my stuff done. Not just about me accomplishing my goal. It's about, is the team getting their yep. goal stuff? Yep. Uh, it's not just about recognition for me and me getting kudos and pats on the back for my great work, but sharing and frankly, passing credit and recognition on to our team. And Todd, this is one that I've seen people way, way up <laughs> in the leadership levels uh, who haven't quite fully appreciate or understood and that it's not just uh, about them and what, what they want. You know, sure. we have, I imagine we all have people that we know that really struggle who are in leadership roles, struggle with sharing credit, Sure. Uh, who struggle with paying much attention to what the team needs, the team performance versus their own. I mean, all of those things can be huge derailers when we're in management positions. Sure. And it's easy to sometimes brush those aside as saying that person's a little insecure or that person just doesn't have the maturity to be able to deal with it. But I think sometimes underlining, it can just be as simple as the mindset uh, that uh, it's much more of a mindset of, I've earned this, I'm in charge, I'm the leader, this is what we're going to do. It's my way or the highway. And that mindset of it's not about me, but it's about the rest of the team is so much more of a productive mindset to adapt and to live and act by. Yeah. And it, it strikes me that there's, there's also at least, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm making a personal statement here about a personal opinion, Todd, but it seems to me that there's also a value piece here related to humility, right? Sure. And it's not suggesting that, uh, you know, you, you don't have a high esteem for yourself or confidence and things you can do, but you have to have the amount of confidence and the amount of humility to let other people be in the limelight, right? right? Other people to shine, other people to do great things without you having to feel like you have to be there to soak it all up. And uh, for some people, and I think in some cases there are maturity issues, Todd, I think you're right. Um, in some cases, it's really a, a kind of a core maturity issue, but in other cases, it's just starting to think about your job differently. Sure. Yeah. And if you think about the leader as limelight, and as you were talking through that, you know, it's very easy to think about leaders casting a shadow and unfortunately their teams get caught up in that shadow or lost in that shadow. Um, you know, if leaders, we can be more of a lighthouse as opposed to a, uh, uh, a big oak that is casting that shadow, you know, taking all the limelight ourselves, but rather we can project that light onto our team um, and be more of that spotlight. I think that's a much more productive way to be. Yep. You know, this, uh, one of the ways this gets reflected is who we want to have join our team. Sure. And 
do do we have a sense of confidence that if we hire people who are very strong, that's a good thing rather than be threatened by them? I was talking literally today <laughs> uh, to uh, an individual organization who and, and their senior leadership is considering a leadership uh, addition to their team. And the person that they're talking to is a candidate who's very strong. And there's a feeling that the president might not like them very much. Uh, because this person is so strong hmm. and may, may make the, the top leader feel a little threatened. Sure. And part of that's human nature, but part of that also is for the senior leader to have more confidence and realize, look, we're trying to do the right thing for the organization here and not just about who gets the limelight, limelight and do I feel threatened by this person? That takes an element of maturity. Sure. Well, and there's a certain degree of development, too, of letting the person be in the spotlight so that they can develop and, and blossom and do more, too. And, um, you know, it, it is a tough mindset to have. Uh, another another mindset, uh, Todd, as you know, is is a hard one, which is this this profound but simple mindset that not everyone is like me. <laughs> right? Yep. So... So, so what's important to me, in fact, today I was having lunch with a different person and uh, he was sharing with me some of his experiences when he was first promoted. And he said, you know, I was shocked, Todd, when I was promoted that there were some people on my team that did not have promotion as their top, top priority. Right. They didn't care about being promoted. They, they, they wanted to do a good job, but they really weren't thinking about the career all the time. Right. They wanted to have a job, come in at eight, leave at five, whatever it might be. And he says, I just couldn't get my head around the fact that they were different than I was. Right. And I think that's something that we all struggle with is to realize, whoa, you know, what I value, the way I think about my career uh, just might not be the same as everyone on that team. And some of that diversity can be really, really good. Yeah. You know, and that manifests itself in small ways in simple little preferences, whether it's motivated by promotion or not wanting that. Um, I think even just recently, you know, that... Um, I'm a big movie buff and love going to see movies. And uh, as I share in some of my social circles, some of the movies that I really love and people go and see those movies and be like, ah, I just didn't care for that at all. <laughs> right. And realizing that I have to be careful about there's a difference between sharing what I like and what I would recommend. And, you know, when I'm really good at understanding what other people's preferences are, I can make a recommendation to, yes, I think you would enjoy that movie. Or, no, the sense of humor in that one is such that I don't, I don't think it's a good fit for you, even though I enjoyed it a great deal. And, you know, as leaders, when we can start to understand others better than they understand themselves, that's when we really get to a whole new level and start to figure out what makes them tick and what we can do, what they need, what we can provide for them uh, to really be able to get the most and to develop their strengths to their fullest. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, one of the specific ways this, this uh, shows up is what people value in terms of rewards and recognition. Two quick examples. Uh, one, I was talking to an executive last week who was given the opportunity to take on a big job and uh, the CEO and the head of HR met with this person and said, we've got this big job for you. Uh, it would be a large promotion, big salary increase, you know, a lot of other goodies. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, of course, from, from their perspective, this was a very attractive package and, you know, was a pretty compelling offer. Right. Um, but one of the factors that was important to this person being offered that was the type of the work, which did not appeal to him as much. Sure. And so they've had that kind of dialogue. And, and as far as I know, I don't think he's accepted that, that role. But 
um, it, it's just an example of how you might think that something that's motivational to you, such as pay and goodies and things like that, may not be <laughs> what the other person wants, right? right. Um, same thing is true in recognition. I think we've talked to prior podcasts. You may have some people on your team that love public recognition and being in the limelight, and then others would much rather just you send a card to them. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Saying, thank you for your work. We appreciate it very much. And maybe a gift card to Amazon or something. Um, and part of being a manager is understanding those differences and be able to work with them. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's one thing to grasp the concept that others aren't like you and I need to respond, but it's kind of that next tier up to value and appreciate the differences that they bring. And, right. you know, to be able to say how great it is that this person enjoys a public recognition and this person just wants a, a gift card from Amazon because there we could give two of them the same set of facts and we're going to get totally different solutions out of them too. And so being able to play to those differences and understand those differences, but then also be able to find the similarities among the teams so that you can bring them together as a cohesive team to work on common projects too. Well, one of the ways I think this really shows up, Todd, in terms of your your point is in hiring. Mm -hmm. yep. it's, very, it's very tempting for managers to hire people that have very similar backgrounds. Oh, right. you went to this school? Right. Oh, you must be great because right. I went to that school. Right. <laughs> or you've worked for this company or you had these kind of experiences. So have I. Then therefore, you know, <laughs> you uh, of course you must be a fit. Right, right. Um, and, and recognizing what are the core things you need for a position that are absolute must-haves versus those things that are similar to you that you happen to like. Sure. And those those are sometimes hard things. That's why you see in some companies, you know, entire departments of people that, that look and talk and act very similar to each other because they have the same background. Sure. Well, and even to be able to take a look at your team and to say, what are we missing here? And what That's do you right. want to bring into it uh, to be able to cultivate those differences? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, another. Yeah. Uh, go go ahead. ahead. I was just. I think we're headed to the same spot. The next mindset is yeah. uh, my job as a leader is to offer feedback, and so this is this is a pretty big change from being an individual contributor to being the right. leader role. In that, instead of producing, my job is to take a step back and to be able to offer feedback. That's right, and this is this can be really hard for people, Todd. And you, you it was hard for me. I I remember when I was first made a supervisor, and I, I may have shared this before. I had a couple three people reporting to me. And I remember, um, I think at the time I was hired, I was within a few weeks of doing performance appraisals. And I remember thinking, wow, how am I going to do this? I don't know their performance very well. They're all older than I am. Uh, they know their jobs better than I do. How am I, <laughs> how am I going to do this? And I think a lot of this involves having courage and practice. Right. You have to have the courage to have the conversation and as you practice and as you do it more often, I think you feel more confident doing it. But I think this can be a real issue, Todd. I've, I've seen entire departments and teams that really struggle because uh, they're afraid to offer, well, feedback to each other, but especially the leader is afraid to provide direct feedback to their team members. Right, right. Well, you've got two edges of it. One is the fear of providing the feedback, and the other is the Afraidness, uh, the 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 fear of letting go of the productivity side of it, and so the actual doing. It's a it's much more concrete to say 
this is the content I created, or this is the design I put together, or this is the solution I implemented, um, as opposed to let your people do those things and for you to provide feedback and coaching. And, you know, one of the best examples I, I heard of this, and I'm not much of a, of a sports junkie, but I, I certainly get this metaphor, is the difference between a football coach and a volleyball coach. And so a volleyball coach is much more of a player coach and will work mm-hmm. as part of the team and get on the team and play as well. Um, whereas a football coach definitely sits on the sidelines and doesn't uh, do any interaction. And different manager roles have different parts of that. Certainly there are times when you are a contributor, but you're still providing that feedback and interaction versus that more football coach where you're truly on the sideline and making sure that all the feedback uh, you're providing and, and coaching side. So I think, you know, certainly in those entry level things, it's a it's a balance as a new manager um, that you are still going to produce things. You're you know you've got one or two direct reports. You're not just going to provide feedback all the time. Sure. But are you spending enough time on that feedback activity and an engagement? And are you letting go of enough of the actual doing of the job? One of the things that I've often felt related to feedback is that if we're doing our jobs right as managers and leaders that when it comes to time to have a formal performance discussion, whether it's annual or quarterly, whatever it might be, uh, I, I like to think that my people should be bored to death. Right. Right. Because they have, they will have heard all of that. We would have already had the discussion. And when it comes down, comes down to the formal per- performance appraisal, it's all old news, and it's just essentially capturing what we've already talked about 17 times. Right. What often happens, however, is because managers are afraid of having feedback, either A, or providing feedback, either A, they are not as direct as they need to during a performance appraisal, right? Right. And so they inflate ratings or that kind of thing, or they keep saving things up. Right. <laughs> and don't address it until that that annual performance appraisal. And, and neither scenario is very effective. And then it feels like a sucker punch. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, it, well, where did this come from? I didn't hear anything all year. And then suddenly I'm told that I stink at this and I stink at this and I stink at that. And how come I didn't hear about it before? I have always thought of that as, you know, no surprises during that conversation. But right. I, I appreciate you taking it to a whole new level that it's not just good enough to that there should be no surprises during that they should be bored to death during that conversation. That, <laughs> right. that, that's, no, that's when you know you have really delivered it, when, <laughs> when they are mouthing the words you are saying, because, yeah, yeah, I already got it. Right, Yeah. right. Yeah, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but I think, I think there's some goodness there in terms of just having that, uh, taking every opportunity you can to have feedback. And, you know, feed, providing feedback doesn't have to be a formal thing. You know, some of my best feedback sessions have been walking away from a meeting we just had, right? Hey, Todd, great job with that presentation. I liked how you used that example. I could tell that the CEO really understood it and you handled this question really good on X and Y. That's feedback. Right, right. Right, and, it, and, and it's not complicated. It uh, didn't require a form and our people are desperate for it um, as a general rule. Yep, yep. And And just making sure that it's, Every day, it's in casual settings, it's regularly, it's weekly, it's monthly. Um, You're not batching it up. It's timely to when you actually saw it take place. And I think some of the tough part for feedback really is, and this is probably a topic for us to to delve into even greater detail, is how do you give good feedback, is... Mm -hmm. 
how do you articulate what can make it better? And, um, you know, part of that is sometimes you see behavior or you hear somebody say something and you're like, man, that could have been said so much better. But then developing the skill to be able to articulate and frame up for the individual how the way they said it was ineffective and how they could have said it differently to be more effective in that particular situation. Yeah, and I, I would say that a key skill here, we we probably could have another podcast on this, as you said, Todd, but a key skill as a manager is that you have to move from just thinking about yourself and what you're going to say next <laughs> in a meeting, for example, and move to observing more, right? Right, right. So, observing what your team is doing, observing what people are doing so that you can offer appreciation and recognition and you can offer feedback, whether it's uh, positive or negative. Right. You, you, you can't do that unless you are in the habit of observing what people are doing and how it's impacting their, their customers or clients or partners. Right. Feedback has both the observe component and the comment part of it. So you've got right. to be able to pay attention and see opportunities to be able to offer feedback and make distinctions for improvement, but then also be able to articulate that in a way that makes sense and is digestible by the feedback recipient. I, I'm remembering one conversation I had with one of my um, directors that reported to me. We came back from a meeting and she said, well, Todd, do you have any feedback for me? And I remember thinking in my mind, uh, <laughs> uh, because there was nothing bad about it. Right, there was nothing right, really good. Right, it was right. just like, a, and I thought, uh, I really don't have any feedback for you. And I could just see the way her facial expression was that. Oh, she was disappointed. She was really disappointed that I hadn't really observed how she interacted, their comments. And, and I just really didn't help her very much. And yeah. so. One of my insights from that experience is, boy, I've got to observe a little bit more. And one of the things I would start doing, and, and I wish I could say I did all the time, but I would usually have, um, you know, if, if there was an agenda or something that they passed out ahead of time or, or a PowerPoint document or something reviewing, I would try to make notes about my team. So if my team was in there and Sally said something or Bob said something or they contributed a certain way or responded to a question, I'd try to jot down a couple of little notes that I could share with them later. And again, I wasn't perfect at it, but it helped me develop more of a discipline re related to observing. Yeah. I think this is a whole nother podcast. Cause I think, I think <laughs> thinking about, I, honestly thinking about all and taking some time to brainstorm, what are all the touch points we could be observing our team members and what right. are criteria that we can better establish. So again, there's no, not even any surprises. I mean, when you can say on the front end, here's the things I'm going to be looking for in this meeting. Then when you afterwards, here's the feedback on it based on what it is, it gives them a chance to better self-assess and for you to be able to offer feedback in a way that's not surprising at all that like, well, I didn't even think to pay attention to that. Um, so I think it's very rich. And, and I think that's the biggest step up when we think about these mindsets. This is the one that is, I think the biggest change from an individual contributor to a manager. So right. the three we've talked about, it's not just about me. Not everyone is like me. Everyone is different. And then this last one is my job as leader is to, to offer feedback. Yep. Absolutely. Right. And then you know, a related one to the to the piece we we're just talking about in terms of offering feedback is that when we're a leader, when we're offering feedback, when we're making decisions, when people are watching us because we're in a leadership role, we're bound at some point to say or do something that somebody doesn't like. Right. Right. And you know that that was something taught early in my career that was hard for me because I I grew up with the perspective that I should be nice 
Right. And that I should do what I can so that people liked me. And I'm exaggerating slightly, but I think, you know, um, it's true for a lot of people that, you know, what can I do to make sure that people like me? Yep. And the danger here is that as a manager, sometimes you have to have hard conversations. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to fire people, yep. right? Sometimes you have to do hard stuff. And uh, as leaders, we have to come to grips with the fact that sometimes people just aren't going to like us. Uh, and that's just how it is. And so the objective then becomes less about uh, being liked, or more about being viewed as um, understanding uh, fair and respected. Yep. I think those are, those are critical ways to look at it as opposed to being liked. And it's, it's an easy line to cross over because as leaders, we're supposed to be inspiring as leaders, we're supposed to be motivating. We're supposed to get our troops rallied. And there's a little bit of charisma and likability that factors into that. Right. Sure. And sure. so, and not to mention, we all just like being liked. I mean, that's, that's kind of a sure. nice thing to, to, to feel appreciated and, and enjoyed. And so, um, you know, sometimes the feedback's not pleasant. And so when you have to share with somebody and sometimes you're giving feedback that is counter, they, they see the situation differently than you see that they felt it's unfair in some way or another. And so how do you make sure that you're delivering it with integrity, you're offering the right criteria and staying focused on the fact of, did I treat this person with respect? Uh, did I show them appreciation? Um, and you know, can I at least feel good about that aspect, even if it was painful or they didn't enjoy hearing what I had to say? Todd, I'm thinking about an experience I had with one of my direct reports and, um, I offer this person some pretty direct feedback. Uh, and I don't remember the specific situation now, but some pretty specific feedback and, and, this person just kind of sat in their chair saying, no one has ever told that to me before. And I give them some examples and here's how it's going to impact you, at least from my perspective. And, you know, she was kind of shaken and didn't want to talk to me for a while. But uh, after working with her for, I don't know, a few years, like maybe just a year or two, I remember uh, her coming to me and says, you know what, Todd, um, I don't know that I want to work for another manager. You're, you're the only one that I've worked with in the last several years that have really given me direct, helpful feedback. That's and awesome. she, you know, she knew that I was coming from a place of trying to help her not to tear down or anything. Right. And, um, uh, I was really touched by that because <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't sure, you know, when I spoke to her about that particular piece, because she was not very happy with me. Uh, but to have her later come back and say, you know, I really want to keep working for you because you're the type of person that is going to really help me. Sure. And that, that I think ultimately is the type of thing that we would like to have happen on our teams. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. You want to be able to feel like the person feels like there's value in the relationship and that you're helping them out. So I think at the end of the day, Todd, when we think about these mindsets, our, 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 we have a couple opportunities here. One is to do a self-assessment. And that is, as we think about each of these mindsets, it's not just about me. Not everyone is like me. My job as a leader is to offer feedback. Not everyone will like what I say or to do or say or do as a leader. I think the first thing we can do is do a little self-assessment, and that is, you know, what are we actually thinking? Right. <laughs> you know, how how frequently are we, are we adapting these mindsets? Um, and and that would be the first piece. Secondly, um, I'm a big believer in asking for feedback yep. and asking for feedback from people to say. When, when you observe me and what I say and what I do, how often do I seem to be demonstrating this mindset? Right. 
you know, and asking for feedback. And, and I think that that could be uh, very insightful as we do that kind of thing. Well, cer- certainly it's easy enough for us to say, how much do I believe this or how much do I buy into it? But I do think it's important for us to, to get feedback from others. But I also think we can even just do this step outside of ourselves to say, <laughs> if I truly act with this mindset, how would that manifest itself? What right. would that look like to others? Um, if I believe it's not just about me, how would others see that in my decisions and my behaviors in my words? And am I actually living up to that in my actions? Um, or are there opportunities for me to do that? And of course, then the best way to do that is to validate it with actual feedback from people. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then just to build upon that is, you know, based on that kind of um, self-insight or you know, self-introspection and getting feedback, the next step I, I suppose would be what what do I want to start, stop, or continue doing? Right. Right. To demonstrate these mindsets in a way that I think is going to have a better effect um, on on me and my team as we work together. Right. Right. Yeah. I, when you're talking about the feedback and just giving that on a regular basis, um, you know that whole start and stop uh, continue base of it. I think of my girls' gymnastics coach when they were young. He was just masterful at constantly red light green light red light green light green light yellow light you know whatever they were doing uh-huh. leg straighter hold down you know do it doing great job there like every little movement they were doing he was providing feedback just constantly as a flow like keep doing that stop doing that start doing this more um and uh, i just think that's such a great mindset for us to have as uh, leaders and really making sure that we continue to refine ourselves as leaders and continue to develop and nurture these mindsets so that they're seen in our words and actions more regularly. That's right. Now, Todd, I think there's a warning here, and that is if, if as we're going through this evaluation, we think about, it's not just about me, not everyone is like me, my job as a leader to offer feedback. If, if we are really, really struggling with believing those things and having a desire to adapt these mindsets, I would argue, Todd, that you're probably not made for management. <laughs> yeah, you might, uh, and, and ain't nothing wrong with that. Uh, there, you know, as we've learned, that not everyone is like us, and so uh, it's certainly fine to to continue to be in an individual contributor role. That's right, and yeah. you know, more and more, I think there are organizations that offer, um, you know, dual career paths. Right, so I know in some IT organizations they have kind of a management track, and then they have a more senior uh, expert path, right? Right. And if if the senior expert path is more effective for you, by all means, you know, start exploring that. Just my, I guess my key point here is that if you're not able to adapt these mindsets, at some point, it's going to cause you to get tripped up. Yep. And whether, whether you're a brand new supervisor or a CEO who's been a CEO for 10 years, these can still trip you up. Yep. <laughs> If you don't adapt these mindsets. Yep. Well, and, you know, I guess probably one of the uh, mindsets that goes along with this, too, is just that constant refinement and constant improvement. Um, Right. And part of that is seeking out mindsets like these that are going to help you be more productive as a manager. So, you know, the thinking is the important part of it, 
But I think there's also an argument to be made that, you know, one, if you don't believe these things, then maybe leadership's not the right thing for you. But if you don't believe these things, what if you acted as if you did believe them? Yeah. And give that a test. Can you go back and edit that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that point, Todd. I wish I would have thought of it. That's a great point. I can add it as kind of the, the kicker at the end after the. the I like uh, that a lot. The, that's a great point. Yeah. That's what, it, that's what I love about these conversations is I feel like I always get a new insight or two or three or four. 